I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome, everyone, to our second preseason episode of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our preview of the Western Conference. Oh, yeah. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Early Launches, uh, the bane of NASA and MLS Fantasy. Uh, no, no um, actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic Reddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by co-hosts Michael Denton, Blaine Riffle, and our special guest, the Western Conference expert himself, Phil Luchford. How are you guys doing? Hello there. Hey, Reed. It's almost time for MLS to be back. That's right. It is almost time, kind of already is time, but not really, at least on the fantasy side. Uh, Big news for today. Uh, the launch, not really launch, but yes, launch, not kind of, maybe, uh, definitely ish, definite, a definite, maybe, uh, the fantasy game is back. If you've been under a rock and don't know this, I understand why, because it wasn't supposed to be, but, uh, but it is, and it's, it's not perfect. <laughs> People have been pointing out flaws and frustrations, but, uh, we've been in communication with Ben Bear and we know that uh, there was just a bit of a miscommunication and the game got posted by mistake. So um, everything's being changing. The official, more official version is coming out tomorrow, Tuesday, today, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, And and some more stuff is coming. So apologies all around. Um, Lots of stuff's changed though. And it's it's pretty good. Some of the things that I'm going to point out right now before I let the rest of these guys weigh in is we have two seasons now. Um, It's not perfectly in half, but we have a first half and a second half of the season prizes are going to be distributed at at each level so more winners that's always fun maybe not more Uh, mike and i talked about this earlier Uh, some of the prizes have been taken away like the weekly winners and people in leagues of 750 members or more are gone that's kind of a bummer but on the positive side we have rolling transfers that's awesome what does that mean well it means that you can make your transfers for every team before that team plays So not only can you swap guys in and out of your lineup, but you can even make new trades if that team has not started yet. So each kickoff is a new team's lock. That's a very, very frequently requested change. Awesome to see that in there right now. Um, Interface is different. The LAFC is now in the game. They weren't when we started. That's really cool. Uh, (laughs) We've also have – oh, there was one more I was going to talk about. Where did my notes go? I can't think of where I can't see it. Um, going to talk about automatic substitutions? Yes, yes. The the auto roo, as it's been coined on Reddit, the uh, triple switch roo, which is a tactic uh, that I invented. That's right. Mike invented the triple switch But the auto roo, as it's going on on Reddit, is that if you have a guy who does not play and you have two guys on your bench who do play, it will automatically switch in the player with the highest points. So it no longer matters which order they're in. Your highest bench player gets swapped in for your double or even triple switcheroo, as Mike has just now started calling it. 
<laughs> so so a lot of great things are going on. Uh, still some confusing things like the, the player price change has has adjusted again. I think this has more to do with a new platform than really a new provider, <clears throat> than really uh, a fix that was trying to be made. It's an algorithm. Uh, I spoke to Ben Bear about this. He doesn't know what it is. It, it seems like it's sort of come with the company. Uh, so, so we don't know what it is either, but it's going to be based on past performance and current performance. So I think that's pretty cool. Ben thinks that we'll see bigger changes than we have in the past with these other games. Uh, the last part I'm going to mention before I throw it off to you guys, uh, currently in the app, you can't see your whole field of players. You just get the little list view. I'm doing hand motions right now because this is a podcast and that's how you <laughs> We are uh, radio professionals. We are. We are good at video. Um, but uh, something better is coming. I asked Ben if we're going to be able to get a field view, and he said yes. Now, I don't know if that means that uh, tomorrow we'll get a field view, or if that means when the season starts we'll get a, a field view, or if it's something on the roadmap for, for in the coming weeks. But he did say there will be some better uh, integration with the app and some better displays for how you view and share your team. So that was a lot at once. Just, just go to the game and check it out yourself. Guys, what are your early first impressions and what's your favorite change so far? Blaine. Uh, I'm really happy with it. Um, I can use it on my phone. That was one of the first things I tried. I usually set my lineup on PC and edit it throughout the week on my phone a little bit, and I can do that really well. Um, and then uh, I don't know if I actually have a favorite change. I'm just I'm kind of stoked for it. It does look more modern, which I really like. So yeah, I'll just leave it there. Mike, uh, I'm I'm Mr. Grumpy on this. Um, I, I described it to you earlier, Reed, as you know, using the George Strait song, I hate everything. Um, not, not a big fan of the user interface. I, I found it difficult and, and confusing to work with. Uh, very counterintuitive. Um, I don't like the fact that we're using headshots instead of kits instead. I think it makes it much less aesthetically pleasing. It makes it gray and drab instead of bright and colorful. And I, I like all the bright and colorful kits that you see every year. Um, as far as the changes go, uh, the automatic substitution one is fine, um, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, it basically just takes the risk out of the switcheroo. Um, I'm not a big fan of removing the transparency for the player price changes. Uh, I don't need to know the exact formula, but I at least like to know what affects, you know, the kind of how it's going to work just kind of have a general idea i don't need to know like the numbers itself but i kind of want to know what's going into it um and then uh i do like the rolling transfers and being able to transfer in and out uh, i think that really helps players um deal with not only having double game weeks um you know, when, when you're having that early Wednesday deadline, but then having to deal with not not getting injury reports until like Thursday or Friday. Um, so that can kind of help a lot with some of that. Uh, and I think it does make it more up to date and makes it a little bit easier to use. Um, but the big thing is I'm really hoping that this soft launch kind of didn't give us the user interface that we were hoping for and that they were trying to provide because I, I just found it very difficult to use. Uh, and I would suspect that if players are trying to sign up using that, I think a lot of them are going to quit halfway through and not finish filling out their team. So um, we'll, we'll see what we get on the on the horizon as far as pitch view. Uh, I think the pitch view is very critical. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the feature that they have as far as sharing teams 
isn't um, as good. Like it only gives you a link to fantasy. I really hope they add it where you can directly share a picture of your team to Twitter. And if that, and that needs pitch view. So um, yeah, so I'm looking for a lot more, you know, maybe tomorrow when the official launch day comes or down the pipe uh, with the app and stuff. So um, yeah. Phil? When it comes to launches, this was like a Falcon Heavy. I'm feeling like <laughs> Starman and a Tesla Roadster right now. And to Mr. Grumpy, I'd say don't panic because uh, it looks bright, beautiful, shiny, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I, I still haven't played around with all the new features like uh, Stat Center. I'm enjoying all uh, the new look, especially. I had to say the uh, the one thing that annoyed me about that Falcon Heavy launch was everyone on the news was showing the pictures and they're like, oh yeah, it's got this little nerdy thing. It's that got got that little nerdy thing, and nobody mentioned the don't panic right there. And I was like, come on. I was looking for the towel. Where was uh, Starman's towel? It was over his head, clearly. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's not get get too far that way. Mike, uh, the interface in particular was something that that you were concerned about, and you put a poll up on Twitter. Yeah, um, so it was pretty much split. Uh, um, 27 people voted. We got 52% who liked uh, this year's version better than last year's. 48% liked last year. So... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure MLS is probably happy with that because I figure, you know, half of the grumpy people like me will come to like it over time. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was just hoping for a lot more. You know, I, I guess may, maybe my expectations were too high. I don't know. I thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know what you think. Uh, go out there, try the interface, and, uh, and tweet us. Let us let us know. I, I, I like I like the faces. Uh, you get a little bit more information in the, in the player placard underneath that. So it, it no, it works. Okay, uh, last little bit before we move on to our Western Conference preview, preview, preview. Uh, leagues. Leagues are starting to get posted. Uh, if you are someone who loves leagues, this is this is great because you can join an unlimited number now. If you're someone who likes to start leagues, not so much. You're limited to five. I've already made my five, and so that's going to be people who love r slash fantasy MLS, who love MLS Fantasy Boss, and to all of our fantastic Patreon supporters, I'm going to have leagues for you. They're going to get posted. Not all of them, but several of them are going to have prizes. We're going to have some MLS fantasy gift, not fantasy, just some MLS store gift cards and also some MLS fantasy insider swag as uh, the rewards for a lot of these leagues. Uh, uh, pint glasses, stickers, scarves, lots of cool stuff that we're able to provide. Thanks to those of you who support us through Patreon. If you don't know what that is, head over to patreon.com slash MLSFI and find out how you can become a supporter of our show. Reed, while oh. we're on the topic of leagues, yeah. I got asked today by somebody about the prizes. If you have not from last year, if you have not gotten your prize, hit us up on Twitter. We'll get you in touch with the right people. They're still wanting to make good on all of those. League winners included. If you need something, let us know. We'll get you in touch. There we go, right there. Okay, moving on, Western Conference preview. Uh, so we got a couple of general Reddit questions before we get started. Mike? All right, so uh, we had one general question from Ken Footy. He asks, should you use a wait-and-see approach to new, to new international players, or are there some can't-miss options on the board? Okay, I'm going to go with Magnus Eriksson. He's a Swedish international. He's uh, actually led the Swedish league in scoring. 
uh, last year. He's 27 years old. He's going to be a starter at forward for San Jose. And uh, he's got this sweet mohawk. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> there's definitely some can't-miss players. Um, trying to find names. I know New York City's got one that you're going to want to keep up with. Oh, Barco with Jesus Atlanta. Medina. I mean, there's – yeah, Medina – Barco, I mean, you've got some guys that you definitely have to be watching from week one that are coming in. There's a quite a few wait-and-see guys, but you can't just ignore these. You can't write out MLS off anymore. There's too many young designated players coming in that are looking to make an immediate impact and jump to Europe. You've got to keep track of these guys. All right. Uh, at first glance, um, Ha103 wants to know, which teams should we be looking at to get clean sheets? Okay, well uh... – to, to do that, I would look at uh, teams that scored the fewest goals last year, and I like to use expected goals because that's a better predict prediction of the future. Um, so I'm looking at teams that are playing against Colorado, Montreal, Minnesota. I think those are the teams that you should pick on to try to get clean sheets against. And if you're not doing that, you need to look at kind of last year's stats with where defenses ended up. I mean, Sporting Kansas City with Tim Melia was one of the strongest. He's back and healthy. I expect the same production from them. Same goes with Seattle and Stephen Fry. I mean, I expect that same level of production to start the season. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of turnover. So the steady defenses from last year should still be those same steady defenses starting this year. Do watch your matchups a little bit. You can't just bank on them getting the clean sheet every time based on who they're playing, but that's a good starting point. And then adjust throughout the season as you're able to watch games and see how the new team chemistries work out. Yeah, I feel like part of this question should have like an underscore of um, whichever team is at home, dot, 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 do not pick a DC or LAFC defender for the first two months, um, you know, because they have massive road trips. So, um, yeah, I mean, you have to keep up uh, the matchups and home and in line. And definitely for the first few weeks, I'm not picking anyone on the road. Okay, Blaine. Well, let's just get right into these team previews now. Talk about Colorado. So, Colorado this preseason has been kind of a mixed bag, but a lot of the talk coming out of the from the coaches and from the team has been very positive. Um, what I'm getting from all this is this is a team that's just beginning to find its chemistry on the field. So this is a team I'm not really looking for to start the season. I mean, a few of the players, if you get that uh, juicy matchup on where they're strong <laughs> defensive team, I mean, Howard, Hoyberry, uh, Hairston's a defender who likes to go forward. I mean, you've got some options here on defense that I would potentially trust early given the right matchups. But this is a team that's really going to be struggling to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think they can put it together as a team. I think they've got a lot of good pieces that if they really come together, they could challenge anybody in the Western Conference any given week. But just overall, I'm not that high on them for the fantasy options right now. Hit me up midseason, and that may change after we see this team really come together. But for now, just going to take a step back and watch what they do. Bill, anything to add? Yeah, I'm looking at Tommy Smith. He's a New Zealand international uh, projected starting center back for only $5 million. That seems to be the cheapest starting center back price on the market today. Oh, yeah, that's a great price. All right, uh, Phil, let's hear about your FC Dallas. 
Well, so far in the preseason, it's been a little up and down like you'd expect. Um, they did look really great this uh, Saturday. They played Cartaginis, a Costa Rican club team, and won comfortably 3-1. to one. And the, the most important thing was that Mauro Diaz looks back to his old self. Um, if Mauro Diaz can stay in shape this year, then you'd think that FC Dallas would be a playoff team. Um, the fortune of the team kind of goes with him, it seems. And... Uh, uh, Maxi Rudy seems to be in pretty good form too. Uh, on the left wing, we just have a new signing today, uh, Santiago Mosquera, and uh, he's going to be competing with Lama for a left wing spot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them uh, throughout the season. Maybe they'll switch back and forth, or maybe Lama starts and then Mosquera takes over sometime during the season. Uh, I was really looking for uh, new center back Reto Ziegler to be a good value. He's a 32-year-old Swiss international, a Bundesliga veteran. And I was really hoping that he'd be a little bit less expensive than Hedges, maybe be a really good value. But it turns out that he and Hedges are both 5.5 million, which is good and bad because they're not 6 million. Um, but Ziegler looked really good. Uh, he has He's a really good passer of the ball out of the back. So not only does he have a lot of defensive actions, but he's also going to maybe pick up some key passes and assists. And he also scored a goal off a corner kick. So is a, a set piece threat as well. So uh, I, I'm looking at Diaz for 10 million, uh, Arudi 9 million, and then center backs Hedges and Ziegler both 5.5 million. All right, Blaine. If nothing else, then uh, let's hear about Houston. Yeah, Houston started off the preseason playing really nobodies, but they've notched a 2-0 win and a 9-1 win. And I think that 9-1 win stands out a little bit to me just with the way they played last year. This is a team that is known for scoring in bunches. And for fantasy owners, you can rejoice. They've lost a couple of big-name players in Cubo Torres and Alex. But that's probably a good thing for all of us because now we can kind of focus in and know who's going to be starting every game. And that's Albert Elise, uh Thomas Martinez, and uh, Mauro Minotas. And those are my three big guys to watch going in. I know Minotas has been one of those young kids, comes in, spell one of the older guys, and really fought for that starting spot and always produced something positive going forward. So you've got a good group of guys going forward. This attack is dynamic. Um, as I said, they score in bunches, so my general fantasy takeaway here is going to be if you're looking at grabbing one of these guys, you may want to go all in and get three or even four of them because if it's not Minota scoring, it's going to be Elise, and if it's not either one of those guys, it's going to be Kyoto, and Martinez is pulling the strings. Like, If you think they're going to have that three, four, five-goal game that they are more than capable of putting together, grab a couple of these guys while one of them may only get a couple of points and an assist. The other guy may get three goals and balancing out. That's a really good production from two forwards. So look at that defense still a little bit questionable. Um, uh, looking at them, they're a little bit older defense, a lot of experience, not quite sure on the speed and how they're going to be able to go through the entire grind, but it could be good for them. As far as the playoffs go, I'm really thinking Houston's locked in to make the playoffs. Don't know how strong they're going to be against the Western Conference, given their somewhat shaky defense at times, but definitely a lock to make the playoffs this year. Awesome. Phil, if you have nothing else, LA Galaxy. Uh, well, yeah, about Houston, I'm just surprised that my notice is only $8 million. I think that's a really good uh, value for a starting center forward that was uh, in good form last year. Uh, LA Galaxy, speaking of starting center forwards in good form, uh, LA Galaxy just picked up Ola Kamara 
uh, who, according to expected goals, is one of the top three forwards of the past few years. So that's an amazing pickup. Um, to to swap Jossie's artist for him is uh, just incredible. Um, so I'm expecting LA Galaxy to do to pull a Chicago and go from last place to a playoff spot. Uh, key fantasy players, well, they still have Alessandrini, who was kind of doing it all himself last year, and now he has uh, Ola Kemara. So I, I think he's going to ev- maybe improve a little bit, which is incredible. Um, now he has a supporting cast to uh, kick around a little bit with. Um, final general fantasy thoughts. Uh, I'm still not sold on their back line necessarily. They're, they're older. Uh, they have a couple new guys that I'll, I'll keep an eye on, but I wouldn't pick up right away. But I think Ola Kamara and uh, Alessandrini are, are just great players that you're going to be looking at based on the matchup. And let's not forget about Steers, who's a 4.5. That's true. That's a good value at yep. center back. Steers is back. <laughs> I'm, I still miss Smith, though. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Almost. He almost got it under three. <laughs> uh, well, new kids on on uh, the field over in LA as well. LAFC. Uh, Phil, I want to hear your take on these guys. Uh, but first, we got a Reddit question. Uh, that's right. We do. Um all right, so Bearded Baller asks, LAFC are loaded with big-name players, and the prices don't seem that bad. Who do you think is the best value for the buck? Okay, well, uh, this is a little bit of a tough one since there's a number of new players that we are, you know, are not, that are new to MLS. We're just not exactly sure how they'll perform quite yet. But uh, one player who seems to be a good value is Urania, their projected starting center forward. He's only 7.5. And I know he doesn't score that often, but he's in good form this preseason. He's already scored in multiple preseason games. And uh, he's getting some really good supply and interchange with Rossi and Vela. So I think if I'm going to take a flyer on one player, it would be Urania, who at 7.5 can allow you to shift funds into your midfield and and get the higher-priced midfielders. Um, LAFC, they... uh, uh, Bob Bradley as the coach uh, who was the guy who took Chicago fire to the playoffs in their expansion year. But, you know, that was 20 years ago, right? I, it, the league has really changed a lot since then. Um, so um, I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to be uh, kind of a, a team that's going to be fighting for the playoffs, but fall a little bit short. I, I'm, I'm not seeing that they have what it takes yet. Um, excited about the possibility of Chicharito coming this summer. Uh, but until then, um, um, looking at Urania, just to be a good value, I don't think he's going to put up great fantasy numbers or anything, but uh, just for the 7.5 price tag. I'm also seeing on defense, I think John uh, Moutinho has been playing left back so far this <coughs> season. He's a rookie, uh, so there's a question mark there, but he's also 4.5. So uh, that seems to be the, the cheapest uh, starting defender you can possibly get. And then in goal, they have uh, the cheapest possible starting goaltender, uh, goalkeeper as well at $5 million. Uh, Lopez, he's a Honduran international, and uh, he's injured this preseason, so that's kind of another question mark. So LAFC, uh, a lot of question marks you're having to deal with. Uh, so that's the kind of team I typically stay away from early in the year. But um, uh, if, you're, if you're a gambler, maybe roll the dice and uh, – and go for some of these good value, seemingly good value players. Uh, I was wanting to know what you thought of um, Benny Failhaber, Phil. 
Yeah, his performance really dropped off last year, and I think you're starting to see that uh, you know over 30 decline set in. So I and, and he's priced at nine million, so that's kind of one of the more premium players. So I think that he's not a very good value at this point. Now I've heard the argument that it's Bob Bradley, his coach. He he can get the best out of Benny, and that might be true. So I think there might be at some point kind of a bump to his numbers, but I don't think that's a long-term solution. I think he's on the, the downside of his career. Um, I'll jump in on this one as well. Uh, Benny's with Bradley. That's a huge thing for those two. I think Bradley does know how to use him, but he's also going home. Benny is a SoCal guy to begin with. He's going to end his career at home, which is big for him. And I'm wondering if Bradley has brought him over to play a deeper role that Peter Vermes had him playing a little bit with Kansas City. And this team kind of lacks a defensive midfielder. You know, Callum Malice did a decent job for Montreal when he was called on. But I don't know if he's your game-in, game-out starter. If Benny Fellhaber is asked to play a little bit deeper role and pull the strings kind of between the defense and the offense, I expect his passing numbers to be up and his accuracy to be up. But nowhere near that $9 million attacking forward option you'd want. So just keep that in mind that his position may shift a little bit from what we were used to seeing in that MVP caliber year. Uh, I don't think Benny's playing any deeper in midfield. They have uh, Omar Gaber, the Egyptian uh, player who played with Bob. Uh, so I think I think he's their defensive midfielder pretty okay. solid. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I found that there was a lot of questions about the defensive midfielder when I, I wrote their preview. Um but I, I will make kind of one general point with that defensive midfield. This team is not as fleshed out as Atlanta was last year at this point. They're still kind of filling in. Um, so I know a lot of people are making the LAFC as the new Atlanta, um, but there's a lot of differences there. I mean, this may be this is going to be better than Minnesota, but it's not Atlanta. All right. Well, speaking of Minnesota, uh, Blaine, that, that one falls to you. Is Is a yawn coming for this? Yeah, Mike, go ahead and give me a yawn. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, I was having trouble finding preseason stats and games from Minnesota. Uh, they're not on the MLS website, and I was having trouble just doing a Google search for what they've done so far. Um, this that, is a team. Their new kit. That's that's what it is. Yeah, they've got the target back on their chest again. So we'll see how that works out for them again. But, yeah, this is a team that just – I want them to do well, but they're not showing anything. I mean, my key fantasy players here as I look at this are Ramirez because he's the only option they've got, so everything's going to go through him. Um, Ibarra is sometimes having a good game. I mean, they've got a few midfielders that maybe, but nobody comes to mind. And then uh, Cronin on double game weeks. Um, but with the – potential for how bad they can be and what we saw last year that's just a lot of opportunities for Cronin to intercept passes and just be a nuisance in defensive midfield where he can rack up a lot of bonus points because they're coming at him the entire game and when I'm seeing that that's just telling me there's there's not a lot here um very unlikely that they make the playoffs um honestly last place team in the western conference here um unless you see something crazy for a week you see a matchup you really really like or they somehow figure out a way to put this all together look somewhere else for your fantasy points seems fair phil anything to add or are you going to move on to portland 
Yeah, I mean, Ibsen was the value in Minnesota last year. That's because he started at, what, like 5.5, I think? Yeah. And now that he's <laughs> 8 million, he's not even a good value anymore. So I, I don't have anybody to select on this team. Okay, Portland. Uh, Portland Timbers. Uh, we got a new coach, Giovanni Savarese, from the Cosmos. And he's coming in as a highly touted coach. Uh, can't say I've watched Cosmos games, but... I'm excited to see how he's going to change up the style or the tactics of Portland because uh, they've gotten a very clear style under Caleb Porter and um, and it was successful for a time. I'm wondering how he might tweak that to uh, take them back to the top of the West. Um, the big change is that they lost Nagby and they brought in Andy Polo and he's a 23-year-old Peruvian and um, he just joined the team on Thursday. So he's played uh, like 20 minutes in preseason only so far. So we haven't really got to see what he can do quite yet, but apparently he's more direct and more aggressive with a nose for goal. Um, so I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do. I, I certainly wouldn't buy him at the beginning of the year because he's untested, but at 8.5, I think he could potentially be a good value. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, of course, uh, there's still Valeri. He's, the maximum amount a player can be uh, 11 million so far. And, but uh, just when he's at home, I'm going to tick, I'm going to pick him uh, because he's that good. You know, the reigning MVP and on defense, they got uh, a new center back uh, to rotate with uh, Mabiala and Ridgewell. It's Cascante and they're all at 5.5. So I'm, it's going to be a little tough to know who's starting any one game. Cause it seems like they might rotate. Um, so for now, Valeri is your man. And uh, Adi, he's coming back from injury. Um, so I'm going to wait on him a little bit as well. Okay. Uh, if nobody else has anything to add, Blaine, I'm going to need you to summon up Jason and talk to us about RSL after these questions Mike has. Yeah. So if, so just to put you in the mindset, Blaine, think about the 44, just let it, let it soak inside of you. And then think about whether we have um, three questions from R3D um, underscore devil 11. So I'm guessing that's red devil. Um, so it's, this is, I mean, three questions about RSL. This guy's probably Jason as an alternate account. So um, first question, from uh, Red Devil slash Jason is Matt Doyle says Rusnak punched above his weight last year. What do you see in your crystal ball for him in RSL? Um, yeah, um, maybe Rusnak did, and I can see where Doyle's coming from, but I completely disagree with this take. I think Rusnak's in the perfect position with the team he's got to continue this. I know we were talking a little bit earlier that his road form was kind of the only thing holding him back. But we tend to look at home players in this game anyway. And Rusnak at home is elite. I mean, he is one of the best options you've got. Um, like I said, I can see kind of where Matt Doyle is coming from. But I think this cast of characters around him is just so strong. He's going to be able to replicate the production he had last year. And if he's more acclimated to the league and puts his road form together, you're talking about potential fantasy MVP caliber player here. Now that is a long shot with some of the other names we've got, but if he does fix that road form, he is he can play at that level. Yeah, you know, last year I was a little questioning Rusnak at first because he it seems like he took a little bit to acclimate to the league, and he's also a really small guy, and it seems like he was getting pushed around. But he uh, he really found his footing, and uh, I know. 
Jason was pushing him for a long time and we were all like, uh, you know, it's Jason and he's letting his fandom get the best of him. But <laughs> I think Jason was really onto something. And uh, as an early adopter of Resnack, he really benefited from uh, Resnack being a great player last year. All right. Well, well, the second question um, that Red Devil had was, is Ortuño the new Sabarillo? Uh, I'm going to defer to Reed on this one. I think he said it best earlier, and I just I am not as familiar with this guy. Well, I, I think one thing that made Sabarino Sabarino uh, Sabarino was that when he came in, he was able to help give RSL the boost that they needed at a time that they needed to help them sort of recover their season. I mean, lots lots more played into that, but but he was a part of that. So I I don't think you could call. Or to know that until we see more from him. Uh, does he have a lot of potential? Yeah. Uh, is he going to have that same impact as uh, Rio? I don't know. Uh, I think it's a new RSL this year. A lot of the pieces are going to be working together. And so um, I, I'm not ready to make that comparison. Yeah, Ortunio and uh, Luis Silva are both 7.5 and will be fighting for the center forward spot. And I don't think we've seen how it's going to play out quite yet. Um, well, kind of speaking of center forwards, obviously Plata is the main star that we think of um, for center forwards for RSL. Um, do Plata's numbers improve over last year? So I had a chance to look at this a little bit, and I did not like this question right off. Um, Plata averaged 6.5 points a game last year. He ended up with a 187 total score, which was solid for uh, forwards last year. I mean, he's not lights out. He's not one of the top names you think of, but that's still a solid performance from any player. So I don't know if it's a matter of necessarily improving. Um, I just think if he's consistent, that's going to be good. But my question here is who's going to play in this for in this formation? Um, right now, the fantasy games got Plata listed at 9.5 million and Savarino, who was one of the kids last year that came on strong, little bit lower average than Plata, but he's listed at 10 million on the price tag. Like that's huge for a young guy that kind of pushed Plata out of the way a little bit at times. And then you've got Ortunia and you've got Luis Silva. And I was really high on Luis Silva at the end of last year. He was lights out in some games and just every, about every other week he was going off for me. I had him in a draft league and he kind of saved the end of my season. Like it, What's going to happen with this? I think this is your Houston 2.0 right here. You've got four big names here that could are all fighting for really three spots. Unless they want to move somebody back towards midfield and try to force all four of them in the lineup, you're looking who is going to be starting. And I see, could see Plata getting some rotation. So if you're asking, is Plata going to be your go-to guy? Uh, I think you're going to have to wait and see a little bit. If you're expecting his numbers to really shoot up, I, I just don't see where they're going to shoot up. I don't think he was that bad last year when he played. So I, I just don't like this question. I think you're better off asking who's going to be playing regularly and what are we going to do? What are we going to do with that information? Because the one name we haven't mentioned through all this, we've got four guys listed as forwards. And then you've got Yuram Sissian who hasn't even come up because he's kind of in the doghouse. But if RSL gets stuck with him and they have a scoring slump, does he get another chance to start? I mean, you've got, there's a lot of working parts here. Just, I don't like this question. I don't think it's a fair question given the team because I think there's too many good options to look at right now. Whoa. Uh, Platt is not going to get pushed to the bench. He's their star guy. Um, he actually underperformed his expected goals last year by five goals. So you'd expect him, his numbers to go up this year. 
and uh, he's not going to get pushed to the bench. There's no way. Yeah, and I think the biggest part about uh, do his numbers improve also plays on uh, his involvement in set plays because that wasn't always consistent last year. And if it if he is the go-to guy, then I think you see his numbers rise as well. All right, well, we said a lot about RSL. Blaine, is, is there anything else you want to touch on before we at least give us a playoff prediction? Um. Not really. I mean, their preseason, they've, they've looked good. They're growing up. They're growing some of the younger players. They're getting some of their bench players some minutes. I think they're going to be a deeper team this year. I think they've got a lot of options, a lot of chances for some rotation, which can be bad for fantasy managers. But overall, I think the outlook for RSL is good. Uh, I think they're very likely to make the playoffs. And if they really put this all together with some of the new names that have come in and the potential for a really strong defense again, they could challenge for one of those top two spots in the Western Conference. Uh, I hate to say it as a Sporting Kansas City fan, but they could be one of the strongest teams in the Western Conference this year, given all the talent they have, if they can put it together, especially if they can fix their road form a little bit. If Rusnak puts starts putting it together on the road, we could be in you know, the Western Conference could be in a lot of trouble. All right, Phil. Anything else? I'm excited to see what they can do again this year. I thought they were one of the most exciting teams to watch in the second half of last season. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about San Jose, Phil? Well, uh, they have a new coach. Um, it looks like they're going to be playing a four-four-two at least to start the season with uh, Wando and Erickson up top. And I've already tipped Erickson as one of my favorite uh, new players. Um, some some say that uh, with his mohawk, he can actually control the ball's movements. Right, it's a target. Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, Vaco was a, a player that took a little bit of time to get acclimated to the league last year. And I think his numbers aren't as high as they could possibly be. I think there's some potential there for him to grow. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching him some more this year. Um, something that's interesting is that it looks like Youngverth is going to get moved up into midfield. Um, last year, he mostly played center back and then played a little bit in midfield. Um, but he is listed as a defender in fantasy. Um, so we that's the, uh, the siren. <laughs> defender that's actually playing midfield. Um, so he's a $6 million defender that will be playing center midfield. Another thing is that... Um, it seems like they have a number of center backs. And so I would think that at some point they would show us a three, five, two with uh, wing backs, especially with Nick Lima, who is a very forward thinking fullback. So I think that's another tactical trend to watch this year is teams that play a three in the back with wing backs, because those wing backs might be listed as defenders, but are playing much more offensively, sort of like Justin Morrow was last year. Um, um, so I would be looking for Nick Lehman to maybe be deployed as a wing back at times and be a 5.5 defender that's playing as a wing back. And uh, I noticed that Tarbell is really cheap. He's a $5 million goalkeeper, which is the cheapest starting goalkeeper price. And uh, week one, they're playing versus Minnesota. So beautiful matchup. Uh, you might want to think about Tarbell and goal week one. All right. Uh, anybody else with uh, thoughts? Not, not, not too much. Uh, so I, I guess we can move to Seattle, uh, and we have a Reddit question from Bearded Baller, who is not impressed with Seattle's offseason, and he asks to you, Blaine, uh, does Seattle honestly think they can have a good enough team to pull a Toronto and do nothing during the offseason? You know, I think they do. And 
I don't know if it's the smart move to make, but for the money they they would probably have to spend to improve their team, this may be the best thing for their team overall. Um, this is a good returning core. I mean, it's hard to doubt what they've done. I mean, back-to-back MLS Cup appearances, uh, one win in that one. Um, it's really hard to doubt the core of players they've got here, even with another year on them. Um, I mean, they're starting off preseason with two wins. I mean, two one each. You've got Fry and the defense that are staying strong. I mean, if you're looking for a good early season defense, this is probably one of the better ones to gamble on when they've got the home fixtures or with the right matchups. Haven't looked quite or who they're playing against early on in the season, but this is definitely a good one. And then Ladero is still Ladero and one of the best players in the league. So, I mean, that's a recipe for success right there. Um, my big question mark is going to be the forward production. I know Dempsey's getting older. At some point, he's going to hit that wall and drop off a little bit. And I know every time somebody says that, he adds another three months to his game. But still, mm-hmm. at, at some point, he's going to hit that wall. And I don't know how soon that's going to be. That could be this season. That could be next season. Uh, that could be three years from now. Um, but then you've got Jordan Morris, who has come up with all this promise and not really put it all together. He had a good rookie campaign and then just kind of disappeared a little bit after that. Like, I want to see if he can prove himself. And then there's Will Bruin sitting there who, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Reed, how old is he? Because he seems kind of ageless or is he just in that? He's been so consistent for so long. Wait, like, did we just did we just ask if Will Bruin was a Highlander? No, no, no. How old is he? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Okay, so I guess he's just been consistent through MLS for long enough. I just I haven't followed his career that that closely, but I mean, consistent MLS producer, still kind of in his prime. I guess should be in his prime. I mean is he going to be your go-to option? Are they just going to tell Morris you either produce or you're on the bench? I mean, what's going to happen with this forward situation? That's my big question mark going in with Seattle this season. Yeah. The, and Smith that's not said that. Um, he said that Morris is uh, going to fight Bruin for starting center forward uh, time that uh, he doesn't view Morris as a winger anymore, that that's Victor Rodriguez's spot. And uh, at times they're going to shift to a two forward setup where, Morris and Bruin can play alongside each other. So I think that's why you, Will Bruin seems really cheap at $7 million as a starting center mm-hmm. forward. I yeah. The reason why is because there's some question mark about how much playing time he's going to get that he might be spelled by Jordan Morris quite often. Okay. Yeah. And if they're going to put Rodriguez on the wing, I mean, that does solidify this team. And I think they, that actually improves my outlook on him a little bit there where you, you've got a center forward battle. And I guess if Dempsey goes down, you just play both of them together, one a little bit deeper than the other right. mm-hmm. or however you want to run this. I mean, that does answer a few, uh, quite a few questions that I had. So I don't know that staying Pat is going to be good for their playoff positioning for their overall outlook on the season, but I still think this keeps them a viable contender for the Western conference title. So, yeah, I think that they're waiting to see how this plays out for a little bit and then they can make a move in the summer if they, if they need to shore up a position. I think that's, a, that's Garth Lockerway special, a big summer transfer. <laughs> are, are hoping for that with uh, based on their transfers so far. Uh, Blaine, keep us going. Sporting Kansas City, your team. Yeah, um, 
a lot of highlights from preseason. I've been seeing stuff on Twitter. They're getting some of the younger guys, some of the role players, a few more minutes, see who's going to shake out, kind of build that depth. Um, a few questions in midfield on where, how this team's going to line up. I mean, they've they've added three pretty big-name signings with um, Russell, Croizet, and Felipe Gutierrez that – You'd expect all three of them to start, but that pushes a longtime MLS veteran in Roger Espinosa to the bench. That's probably a like-for-like replacement for Benny Fellhaber, maybe even a little more high press, more going forward there. So this is a team that's desperate for goals, but has a solid foundation in defense and Ilya Sanchez covering at defensive midfield. So look for your defense early on. That's my key fantasy players right there is the defense – I mean, you've got three starting defenders at six million, and the other ones at five point five. Uh, Zusi is definitely a defender this year. They have got him updated in the system, which is good. Um, they should be in the playoffs again. Um, late season slump last year dropped them all the way to sixth place, but since change, since rebranding and moving into the new stadium, they have not missed the playoffs yet, and I don't expect it this year. Knock on wood. Phil, anything to add? Yeah, it seems like Crozet is cheap at 8.5 if he's going to be their attacking midfielder because that's who I like to target in MLS Fantasy are the attacking midfielders. And um, we'll have to see what kind of form he's in uh, this year. But that it seems like there's good values across this team at 8.5 being their most expensive player. Um, I'm definitely looking at Sporting Kansas City to start the year. Nice. All right, Phil, we'll wrap us all up with Vancouver Whitecaps after this Reddit question. Okay, we got Flicks and Kicks who um, asked if we agree that Vancouver has a deceptively strong team and could be an under-the-radar source of fantasy points. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, it was crazy to me last year where they were top of the West and everyone was wondering how did they get there. It makes no sense. Um, I... I'm, I'm always a Vancouver dad. Uh, and no... Uh, Anna told me last year that they were going to beat FC Dallas, and I said, no way. And then we got crushed 4-0 at <laughs> home. Um, so I guess deceptive, I guess that is maybe potentially true because um, it seems like they're going to be pretty solid at the back, Parker and Waston still, a uh, really great center back duo. And I was noticing that um, Parker's 5.5, which I think could be a pretty good value. Um, I still don't see... Um, a playmaker on this team, I guess Reyna is their playmaker, but man, he was so in and out of games last year um, at times electric and then just invisible. Um, so maybe if Reyna could find some consistent form, then they could be a better team. But um, with uh, Kai Kamara as your center forward, basically what that leads me to believe is that they're just going to cross the ball constantly. Like that's what Carl Robinson loves to do anyway. just like nonstop crosses into the box. <laughs> and that's not a very effective attack. Uh, maybe Kai Kamara makes it effective because he's the best heading forward that the league has seen, at least in quite a few years. Um, I was noticing that they might go to three in the back and play wingbacks, which, that's, like I said before, that's a tip-off that maybe there's some good value there. But um, uh, So I was looking at Jake Nerwinski. He's only $5 million as a defender, and uh, he's probably their best crosser of the ball. So I would think that he's going to benefit with numerous assists to Kai Kamara. So maybe 
Maybe that's your sneaky value is the guy that's going to be pumping the crosses into the box repeatedly. Because um, I don't see a consistent playmaker anywhere else on the field. Uh, Teixeira and Reina being guys that just go in and out of games. Um, and you can't really rely on them. I wrote the uh, the, the primer for uh, Vancouver over at Fantasy Boston. So I, I think that crossing might be what, what he had in mind for that deceptive. Because you've got Kamara, but then they also added in um, Blondell uh, yeah. to, the, to the team. And he's another big forward. So I, I think you're exactly right that crossing's there their thing uh, and that maybe maybe they're deceptive because they've got two big targets now that they can send targets into though i mean do we know if kamar is going to be a 90 minute guy or a 70 minute guy and then try to bring in somebody else i mean we'll see but like, uh, I, I, are so inefficient like if you can get a good <laughs> through ball playmaker it's way more efficient and much better to watch as well so i'm going to hate watching this team again uh, just Grinding defense and then cross the ball repeatedly until something happens. Well, Do they make the playoffs? To no end. I I would think that they're a bubble team fighting to make the playoffs. And, and what right. makes it worse about Vancouver is is like when you look at the other teams in the West, and this is just kind of like a general theme. There's just so many of these like bad teams like Colorado and Minnesota, which has like all these kind of crazy crosses now. It's just like. They're just like ugly games. That's how Vancouver yeah. got to the playoffs last year. It was just like they were like the not worst of the terrible conference. And I mean, well, when we get to the Eastern Conference, we're going to have like, oh my gosh, we have Barco and Medina and Kaku and all these other crazy players. And like, not much of that, you know, in, in this preview is kind of same old teams. Colorado didn't do anything. They'll still suck. Minnesota will still suck. You know, everyone's after Galaxy. You guys are saying all this, and Kai Kamara really kind of made a name for himself and revived his career at least well enough to move over to England for a few years with Sporting Kansas City doing this exact thing. Yeah, true. I mean, and it, and it worked well enough for him to get a move over to, what, Norwich City? Like, yeah. uh, Tichera has to be one of the best set-piece takers in the okay, league. Well, they I'd play ugly crossing three. football in England, too. <laughs> Especially when I watch the Premier League, I watch that ugly <laughs> football where the bad teams just cross it in so i i I understand that i mean inefficient maybe but if this team can sort of replicate what kansas city did and just get an ungodly number of shots every game you only have to get a couple of them on target or pass a goalkeeper to win your game so maybe it's not about efficiency maybe it's just about running the other team down. I don't know what they're going to do. I do like, I really do like Reina and Tichera. I think another year of experience because both of those guys were kind of first time regular starters last year. Let's see what they can do for a full season together. Um, I really do think Reina shows a lot of promise. And again, Tichera is my early season watch 8.5, maybe a little steep for a somewhat unproven player, but again, one of the top players on set pieces, um, Maybe number two behind Giovinco for taking set pieces and striking straight from him about 30 yards out. So he's definitely one to, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on early. I, I think the big question is still defense, and Phil touched on it. There's there's rumors they may go to a three-man back line, which, which could be problematic. Helps with their counterattack style, get more crosses in, but could be problematic because Alstead is gone. 
in the back, and he's been replaced by Brian Rowe? Uh, no, no, uh, maybe. Uh, Brian Rowe's come on over, but it looks like uh, Mary Novick is going to be the starter. I heard he might have picked up a little bit of an injury, so uh, but he may be good to go. I, I, if he's got some bad games, I, I think Rowe's going to push for for that starting position. Um, he's played some of it at LA. He's 4.5, so if he does get that, I think he's a good one to keep an eye on, but I think there's some question about that defensive back line that could really hurt your counterattacking style if you're always worried about are you going to be too overexposed on the back. But uh, I don't know. You make good points, Blaine. Yeah, I think Marinovich is the starting goalkeeper unless he's injured, at least for now. But yeah, Brian wrote 4.5 would be good if he stepped in. I also noticed that Breck Shea is 4.5 in a defender. And I think there's a possibility that he is their left wing back if they're playing three in the back. Um, so I think that surprisingly, Breck Shea could be a potential good value. <laughs> he or, or De Jong, because there there was some, he did that some as well. I've seen some people even wondering how does Shea fit in? Right. <laughs> A DP. <laughs> right, right. So, again, uh, just that that defense has so many questions that I, I don't want any part of it at the beginning of the year. All right. Well, that completes our, our summary preview of the uh, Western Conference. Uh, all the teams, little bits of information about each one. Thank you, everyone, for the questions. I'm going to give each of you guys uh, one last chance to make any other final comment that has come to you since we've started, uh, and then any kind of plugs. Blaine. I don't think I have any comments. Um, do you want to give a big shout-out to all the other writers who have helped us with uh, fantasy previews? Um, we've had guys guesting from Last Word on Sport and Vavil and some other places. Really do check these guys out. They're just budding writers in the community, always putting out some good work, and really appreciate all the help they gave us this year. Mike? Um. I may have some things in the pipe, um, but as for right now, um, just follow at MLS Injury News. Um, you know, we'll be starting to see the preseason injuries uh, get racked up pretty soon. Uh, so you'll definitely want to know who's um, eligible to be starting because that'll be one of the tricky things because you want to make sure you start off with uh, in week one with players who are actually playing. True. Phil? I want to thank everyone who contributed to the MLS Fantasy Boss previews because I love reading through those and they're really helpful to figure out who we think is going to be a starter and who the up and coming new players are. And of course, American Soccer Analysis is where I go to for expected goals and for interesting statistical articles on soccer. Yeah, uh, Blaine and Phil kind of stole my thunder. Uh, thank you so much, everyone who has helped contribute to the MLS Fantasy Boss preseason team profile previews uh if you're not familiar with that yet head over there and check it out uh for almost every team we were able to find a supporter to talk about their last season their their preseason transfers uh what they're expecting fantasy side uh, lineups like phil was talking about uh so we tried to get people who who love the teams and follow the teams passionately to give all the readers a little bit more information because we know that not everyone knows everything about every team. That That's our job, right guys? Uh, so we, we brought that information out to you all and I hope everyone enjoys it. Check, check it out. We're also going to be having our MLS fantasy 2018 primer coming out very soon with uh, summaries of information from last year, some, some team roster setups though. Now the, the game's actually out. 
that's not going to be as helpful, but you at least get some of the 2017 data and the full data will, will be available at MLSFantasyBoss.com this week. So check that out. Check these materials out. It should be uh, a great ride and um, good luck.